This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. G'day. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio there. I don't know where that bled through from, a little bit of um, <laughs> strange environmental music there for a second. And I... Uh, I don't mean Celine Dion. Okay, thanks to the room with a viewers. I am Rob Jan and I am Jan Solo today. Our co-host Megan McHugh is otherwise occupied. She must be out there helping win the galaxy for the Rebel Alliance or possibly for the Empire. You never can tell with Zero G. Anyway, today we are going to look at a whole bunch of different things as is our want... And um, it is episode number 1163, which is entitled, our podcast title is Pod It Black. And our uh, our main title for today's show will be LZ0G, feeling a little bit laid back today. <laughs> so I'm going to look at some uh, trailers and Ken Burns' new television series, the, uh, the Vietnam War, which is on SBS, and uh, quite a few other genre gems which are um, showing up in various sorts of incarnations around the place, whether it be cinema or exhibitions and so on. And also want to have a look at the Avengers Infinity War trailer. Have to look at that. You know, just have to go there. Okie doke. Now, we'll just... Why am I going to... That's the word. You know how you get those phrases that um, appear in your head when you're on air? And that one is going to stick with me all day. Okie dokie. Goodness me. You know why that's there? Because I was uh, reading some stuff about Jim Neighbours, the guy who played Goma Pyle, and some of his um, idiom transpose into my mind. Anyway, I've been watching the uh, the Jessica Jones trailer, which has dropped. Events now, trailer drops. If one landed on you, it would probably be fairly eventful. And this is um, the new one for Netflix coming out on March the 8th next year, 13 episodes. We haven't seen a a uh, normal episode of Jessica Jones since 2015, although, of course, her presence in the team-up Defenders was uh, very much welcome. So a little bit of a wait there. Of course, Kristen Ritter is once again appearing as the title character, a um, hard-bitten, hard-drinking, hard-hitting superhero, street level. And uh, she's back this time without evil influence of Kilgrave, who was played by David Tennant, of course, from the first season. What a high-powered series that was. Incredible drama there. All sorts of issues. <laughs> uh, okay, so this um, trailer shows her schlepping along, uh, doing her uh, ace detective thingy. Very noirish with uh, cool music and 
voice overlay of everybody has secrets. <laughs> she looks like she's doing a bit of um, peep detective work there with a camera, probably doing a bit of divorce work, that sort of thing. And also uh, having, a, having a run-in with um, some other characters as well, which I don't know if they'll include superheroes just as yet. It's quite possible. Uh, this is a show where you can introduce all kinds of characters mixed in with the other um, defenders over time. She does have one great line. She's talking to somebody and she says, um, if you tell me that with great power comes great responsibility, I'm going to throw up on you. <laughs> so that's entirely perfect for Jessica. Looks like she's doing a lot more... Um, a lot more heavy-duty superpowering in this season. Uh, she seems to be able to um, jump a lot higher or, I suppose, falling with style, you could call it. And um, I reckon that uh, we're in store for a quite different series because we've only really seen her under the influence of Killraven or working with others um, in the... Uh, in the Defenders, uh, Daredevil, Luke Cage and Iron Fist and so on. So um, although Kilgrave will feature because there'll be, I'm sure there'll be flashbacks and, uh, and all that sort of stuff, but um, I think they're going to go for a much more personal story this time instead of the, uh, the one that's affecting the entire city. But we'll see. You know, they usually uh, end up with something larger than life for these kind of shows. All right. Jessica Jones. Looking forward to that coming back in March. Now, um, I've also seen um, a few other things that are in the genre that we should keep our eye on. And one of them reminds me of um, a really great animated film that I saw uh, called The Book of Life. Did you catch up with that one, folks? It was uh, quite an amazing... um, we call it uh, Mexican slanted um, animated movie. And my gosh, the artwork was absolutely gobstopping. That came out in 2014. It was um, directed by and co-written by Jorge uh, Gutierrez. And um, it was uh, kind of produced by uh, Guillermo del Toro and a few other people. So I expected something special. So the Book of Life was one of those films which uh, riffed off the Mexican Day of the Dead. And that's what this uh, exhibition, Romancing the Skull, reminds me of because it has a similar theme. Um, This seems to be in the air at the moment. We've also got uh, one called Coco, a movie um, coming out, uh, a Pixar movie coming out soon, uh, which also riffs off that too. So a few things are deadly earnest there. But this is at the Art Gallery of Ballarat, and it's called Romancing the Skull. It's um, on until the 28th of January, so you've still got time to get down there. And basically this is um, an analysis of the depiction of the skull in art. Um, What what are the reasons why we kind of like that depiction, apart from... um, Known Gothic origins, for G at least. Well, some of them at least. So you'll be able to check out all of the, uh, the various artwork there at the Ballarat 
gallery for a while yet into January. So basically I'm sort of saying there's a lot of things around there, out there that are um, very genre-based at the moment and you can have some fun over the summer period. Now, another one that is on, again at a regional gallery, Bendigo Art Gallery is... Uh, giving us an exhibition until, again, 21st of January about the costume designer Edith Head and um, Hollywood. Now, you may remember the Edith Head character is um, is uh, given a loving homage in the incredible superhero film. She's the costume designer for the all of the superheroes in that. She's the one who's famously said, I no capes, I do not do capes. Basically because they get caught in propellers and jet engines and all sorts of horrible things on superheroes. She had a, uh, a half a century career in the studio costume departments of Paramount Pictures and Universal Studios and her work received eight Academy Awards during her career. So she's one of um, the most significant designers of costume in uh, Hollywood. So what they've done is they've brought together more than 70 costumes uh, ranging across the 1930s to the 1960s. So they pulled these out of um, archives and collections of private collectors as well. And you'll see all sorts of work in there from um, Hitchcock, the Vertigo, uh, um, the Ten Commandments, Samson and Delilah, a lot more as well. So these are costumes that don't normally travel particularly around the world, particularly far. And uh, it's great to see that they're all there at the moment. There's a pretty good exhibition catalogue there as well. Uh, As we uh, have found before, exhibition catalogues often contain a great deal of artwork and detailed pictures that you would never see elsewhere. So look forward to that one. City of Greater Bendigo and uh, we were talking about the Bendigo Art Gallery there with the costume designer Edith Head and Hollywood. Triple R! Just calculated, just that to get to zero G at Triple R, I have travelled, and this is round trips over the years, a little loose approximation, 4.03 times the diameter of the Earth, or 1.28 times around the equator, which is a, a puny distance, of course, compared to the distance I travel every day to get to your planet. It's also a punny one, given I usually make up the show and podcast titles along the way. He's making it up as he goes along. Actually, if you tot up any clicks travelled over a long enough time, you'll get some gobstopping numbers. The daily commute is even more vasty and planet-girdling than that particular figure, so make of that what you will. Of course, if I add in the, uh, the Triple R 2012 trip to Vietnam, I'd uh, get a few more trips around the world onto that uh, title. And that brings me to the Vietnam War television series, which is on SBS, a documentary series. Uh, fear not if you have missed out on the first couple of episodes uh, because it is uh, on demand on their website. Although I notice that now that you actually have to uh, create a login for that too. I'm guessing that's some kind of... Um, 
advertisement, uh, advertising things so they can send you off as well to it and give you all those sorts of spam type things. But who knows? Anyway, I haven't received anything yet, so I don't know. Uh, okay, so um, this is uh, on the weekends usually when it's playing normally. There are two episodes that they've got up on their on-demand site so far and uh, you might want to be careful when, if you do go up on the on-demand site, don't click on the first one you see because that's actually the second episode. So I'm watching the first episode thinking, oh, you know, they really should have given some more background to this. And then I looked at the numbers and I thought, oh, my God, they did. And I've watched the entire second episode ahead of the first. So that's all right. Went back and watched the other one. Okay, it's written by Jeffrey C. Ward and directed by Ken Burns and Lynn Novick and narrat- narrated by the uh, the actor. Or Peter Coyote. <laughs> so, you know, you might feel you're um, having a bit of deja vu, which is indeed the name of the first episode there. Uh, the series cost around $30 million and took more than 10 years to make. And you can see why when you start watching it. The um, There are uh, more than a few episodes of this one. Uh, 10 episodes runs for about 14 and a quarter hours altogether. The words gruelling and harrowing come to mind. Um, might have seen other series about the uh, the Vietnam War in, in the day. Um, there's a whole bunch of uh, Walter Cronkite narrated um, um, f- short films and uh, pieces of uh, footage that they put together once. It's quite formidable as well. Uh, we're in a bit of a historical mode here for Zero G talking about this one. Um, the first episode, as I said, called Deja Vu, which is a very good um, description because this one, um, the first one goes into the background of the second Southeast Asian War, aka the Vietnam War, and it tells you all about um, how they got to that point. And the Deja Vu comes in, of course, because the French in their colonial aspect or their uh, neo-colonial aspect because they were coming back after um, getting kicked out by the Japanese in World War II. So an, an attempt to revive the, uh, the colonial system that they had in place in Vietnam before the war. So there's a great deal of information included in, in that. Of course, they, um, they cover the, uh, the origin of Ho Chi Minh um, one of the architects of the American defeat in Vietnam. Uh, talk about his um, career learning to be an, an early communist in Paris, London, and eventually Moscow and China, uh, where he trained and uh, eventually went back to Vietnam to um, organise the, uh, the branch of the Communist Party there, um, paralleling to his uh, enormous um, nationalistic tendencies as well. Um, it's a, a fascinating story, this particular one, the first episode, because it does get into the idea that the French did it all before the Americans and the Americans didn't learn all that much. Now, you can be controversial with these kinds of um, histories. It's relatively near, although point out that um, the majority of uh, Vietnamese citizens now uh, in country weren't alive during the Vietnam War. So it's a bit of a new world since then. Um, never brought home to me more um, stunningly. And uh, here I'm not making the mistake that a short tour of a country means I know everything about it, but uh, I did get an idea of the geography at least. 
and the toughness of um, what it must have been like to um, go walking through it, just walking, let alone carrying a full pack and weapons and being shot at. Um, yeah, well, you know, that is what it is. But um, uh, it was brought home to me that um, things have definitely changed. When I was there, there was a, an American warship in the, uh, the harbour at uh, Da Nang, thinking, oh my goodness, it's there on a goodwill visit. It's a long time between drinks there, um, especially since um, I knew that warship. It was the uh, USSS Blue Ridge, which is um, a command and control ship for the Pacific Fleet, or at least it was when um, I took a quick tour of it when it was in um, at Station Pier in Melbourne once. But that ship was also um, one of the ships that was present during the Vietnam War, um, one of those... Um, ones that uh, were involved in the evacuation of Saigon. And there it was, back again, in uh, Da Nang Harbour. But um, anyway, um, it, it brought that home to me, that things have changed quite a bit there since. So you have to really uh, go back in uh, time, get a different mindset to watch this series. Um, I, I thought the uh, the way that they described the interplay, the political interplay between the United States and France and various um, communist interests in the area. It was quite, um, quite a good uh, bit of explanatory dialogue there. They didn't do it too much with talking heads, although this is a Ken's Byrne documentary, so you will get a lot of those. Also a lot of the usual uh, letters to home. We know the, the rules of this. The Civil War was um, a good template for this one. A lot of um, direct conversations with veterans both on from both um, sides or all three sides if you really want to think about it or even four um, so you get quite a bit of that and of course there is the the usual um, in period was diegetic musical soundtrack here for uh, the Vietnam War and of course there's so many uh, classic hits in that which become either ironic or else um, a bit mawkish, depending upon how you uh, listen to them or where you listen to them too. I imagine it makes a great deal of difference to be sitting in a foxhole somewhere listening to uh, Painted Black and so on. Um, I also thought the uh, the first one explained pretty much, the first episode pretty much explained how this was all part of the, the domino theory um, there was a lot more stuff in this that I uh, hadn't realised about, that JFK had authorised civilian contractors, uh, often CIA pilots, to do airdrop supplies to the French in their uh, besiege battle at uh, Dien Bien Thu. Uh, I thought that um, they could have uh, given us a little bit more background in some areas of this, but uh, overall, the first episode... Um, Deja Vu is actually a pretty good summation of how they got to fight the dreadful Vietnam War. Uh, I was talking about the musical soundtrack and I thought that um, it was very, very heavily weighted to American hits and, of course, the Vietnam War is really about the uh, the American experience in... um, in country back then. So, of course, a lot of the songs are American. I haven't run across any Vietnamese ones yet, but perhaps I will. So just because I didn't see any on the soundtrack list doesn't mean they're not there. And after all, it is only the first episode and the second one that I've watched. I'm Terry Packett, the undeservedly famous author of the Discworld novels, so you can believe me when I say that Zero G on 3 R is the finest science fiction and fantasy show this side of the black stump. 
I also think Dibbler's delicious pork sausages are the finest eating anywhere anywhere in the world, so you know you can trust me on this. Ha 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 with three exclamation marks. Anyway, we've been looking at on Zero G the epic ten episode Ken Burns documentary The Vietnam War, which indeed is full of Ken Burns effects, if you've ever seen that filter in slideshows. Um, so, yeah, the usual uh, documentary approach made famous by Mr Burns. You've got the uh, the slow zoom in on photographs and the zoom out and also this time around because of the proximity to modern times, lots and lots of um, video footage as well, film footage really back then. And... Um, the second episode of the series, which is on SBS and it's on SBS On Demand at the moment, uh, episode two, Riding the Tiger. Uh, this is one I actually watched, accidentally watched first. And it um, gets more into uh, why things didn't go quite so well, in inverted commas, for uh, the American side uh, during the war. And as I explained in the first one, the American experience was partly um, reminiscent of what the, the French uh, misadventure in Vietnam as well. Many of the same mistakes were made. Perhaps um, look at it from the other side, not necessarily mistakes. It's all a matter of perspective. And speaking of which, the documentary, I think, does a reasonable job of trying to maintain some perspective. It does feel weighted towards the left wing more than anything else. Um, But that may just be an artefact of the fact that uh, wars are pretty silly anyway. So, you know, what are you going to do? But, you know, this is... uh, You could look at it from one side and say maybe they're peddling the... uh, the, uh, the cliches of the stereotype anti-war movie a little bit too much? Maybe not. But at least they are trying to, uh, I think, uh, represent more straight facts than anything else, even if the tone of the documentary is decidedly cynical in many aspects. Uh, the details I shall not go into because you can just Watch it for yourself to find out about those. Uh, as I said, be warned, this is a quite full-on confronting series. Um, I uh, especially was, well, you know, I was just had difficulty watching the whole thing all the way through, really, but nevertheless stuck with it. Um, yes, there are scenes of the uh, Buddhist monks burning themselves to death in protest against the South Vietnamese regime. So, yeah, be warned. Um, It's a a series that I think uh, will develop a lot more when they get into the uh, the main body of it um, in the rest of the uh, eight episodes. Uh, But nevertheless, I think this is another definite um, success for Mr Burns, (laughs) Mr Ken Burns in this case. and also uh, the uh, the writer Jeffrey Ward and Lynn Novick, who also worked on it, as well as Peter Coyote's lively narration. All right, now I won't again 
not have recourse to the actual soundtrack album for uh, the Vietnam War series. Nothing wrong with it, full of great classic pieces. Uh, this commentary on the, uh, the Vietnam War there. All right, now, got a few things to uh, talk about yet before the two o'clock mark. And um, the first thing I wanted to continue to have a look at, because I did mention it the other week, is the um, the uh, Avengers trailer for the uh, Avengers Infinity War movie coming out next year on May the 4th. <laughs> and may the 4th be with the Avengers. I think I'll actually just play you the... Um, the, the trailer here, it's, it's quite a, an oral experience as well. And it gets a bit, I think that it starts off a bit uh, Star Trek-y actually in, in the respect of um, there's several Star Trek incarnations where they realise that they do actually have a history and they go through the uh, the familiar coda of Star Trek, you know, uh, or the credo, um, space, the final frontier, da-da-da-da-da. But what they do is actually get the different actors to say it. Uh, from the different incarnations or uh, even within the same one. And so you get a sort of a montage. Well, that's how this um, Avengers Infinity War trailer starts out with Nick Fury starting to talk about the Avengers initiative and then the other characters picking up before the action comes in and uh, Thanos, the mad titan, appears. He's the big bad in this entire, really across the um, the whole phase uh, phases of the of this end of the Marvel comics. We're in the 17th. This will be the, let me see, the 17th film, 18th, 19th, something like that. By the time we get to it, Thor Ragnarok being the 17th, it's going to get tricky because then you've got to start pulling in um, movies from, uh, you know, like Spider-Man Homecoming and so on. And As I speak, as I speak, they have been talking about um, um, having... Uh, Contractual negotiations. That's Marvel, Disney with um, Fox Studios, uh, which may eventually result in a meeting of the X Men and um, other characters as well, maybe even the, the Fantastic Four and so on. Let's see how they go with all of that. That's one of those long promised <laughs> dreams that we've been waiting for. Could very, get very complicated. <laughs> okay, now I have to give you a bit of splainy for some of that, at least. A lot of it makes sense. <laughs> uh, whether or not it'll make dollars, well, you know, probably will. I don't think we're talking Justice League here. Uh, okay, now, as you could tell, they, they mixed and matched there quite strongly at the start, uh, giving you the uh, the lowdown on the, um, the, uh, the Avengers uh, initiative with all the different characters there, going from Nick Fury to Tony Stark to Bruce Banner through to Doctor Strange and his assistant Wong and Vision and the Scarlet Witch, Thor in space and uh, Bruce Banner, who looked like he'd fallen through Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorium's roof in the uh, trailer, as well as the Black Widow with the evil Thanos coming along to pick the narrative up at the end and make it his own. Uh, along the way... There's a few things that I noticed in this one. There seems to be a fair chunk of the story set in the 
advanced African kingdom of Wakanda, where the vibranium mountain sits that uh, yielded the alloy that uh, originally was used to make Captain America's shield. That would make entirely good sense because there's one of the Infinity Stones, which is the MacGuffin of the Avengers series, the thing that everybody's trying to get, especially the um, evil Thanos himself trying to obtain that. Can't quite remember where all of the stones are at the moment. They're rolling along, but um, everyone's got one one sense or another. It does mean trouble for the... Uh, the Nova Corps, I would think, because they had one of the Infinity Stones and also the Collector as well. Uh, we see Loki briefly handing the Tesseract, which one of the stones, to um, Thanos, I'm assuming. So where does his allegiances lie? Of course, we've got a Black Panther movie in between now and the uh, Infinity War as well. So we'll have to see how the events of that tie in Captain America without his shield and... Uh, Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, were in um, Wakanda last time we saw them in the Civil War. And also the Black Widow seems to have shown up there too. Didn't see Hawkeye in this one. But we did see uh, very, very briefly a character called Proxima Midnight from the Black Order who are minions of Thanos. I didn't, I didn't look closely enough, but I didn't wonder at the end there where Thor says, who the hell are you guys? He's actually talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I wonder if um, they're bringing along Nebula as well, who's also one of the, the daughters of Thanos. Uh, I know they've got Gamora there. And in the trailer, Mantis does a little wave as well as Teenage Groot. <laughs> That'll be so much fun. Can they handle this much awesomeness in one movie? Well, we'll see. They did pretty well, the Russo brothers, the directors, with, uh, with uh, Civil War and also with The Winter Soldier. I thought they did an excellent job with those films. So we'll see how they get on with the Infinity War, which is the first part of the, uh, the two final Avengers movies for this phase. They deserve to do well with these. They put the groundwork in. They built the characters up, brought them along. Uh, we're worrying, wondering why Thanos, played by uh, James Brolin, is uh, a little bit more pink than usual. It's kind of a pink purple. But, hey, I don't know about you, but the moment when uh, Spider-Man, his spider senses detect the presence of Thanos' incursion on Earth, the hairs on his arm all raise up with a spider sense. How cool was that? And Veronica, the Hulkbuster armour brought back again, seems to be being deployed outside of Wakanda, may not actually be piloted by Tony Stark. I detect a distinct Hulkish sort of uh, landing to it when it, um, when it arrives on the battle scene there. So much more in this to be unpicked uh, with um, uh, Tony Stark looking very grim there and not Ben Grimm. Uh, of course, he's uh, had that vision, so to speak, in the Age of Ultron where he saw all of the, his fellow Avengers dead and that may have something to do with it as well. And why is Vision uh, so human-looking? He's obviously got another mode so when he, he can um, romance the Scarlet Witch. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, there's so much stuff in here. Uh, let you get on with going off and watching it. You've probably already seen it, but watch it again. So much fun. <laughs> Oh, dear. All right, so that's the Avengers trailer. All right, we're coming up to 2 o'clock. Astral Glamour will be along soon. And um, I thought uh, before we left, we'd do a little bit of a tribute to um, Jim Neighbours, who you may know of as uh, Goma Pyle, United States Marine, 
from the old uh, television show back in the 1960s. Um, he has uh, passed away. He was born in 1930 and passed away on November the 30th of 2017 this year. Uh, we, back in the day, knew him as um, Gomer Pyle in the Andy Griffith show and he actually carried that character on to his own series. Um, very sort of uh, meta kind of thing. Andy Griffith show in 1962 to 1964 and from 1964 to 69 he picked it up in Goma Pole USMC. And then the Marine Corps actually made him uh, an honorary sergeant after that. Not a Sergeant Carter though. Uh, he also did a science fiction series called The Lost Saucer in uh, 1976 with Ruth Buzzy. Then we had Shazam, Jim Neighbours there. Gone but not forgotten. It's an album that he put out back in the day. And check out his discography sometimes. You'll find a, a vast number of albums he put out and songs quite beyond his career as uh, Goma Pyle, the United States Marine. And um, he also got uh, to sing in Goma Pyle as well. They, found every opportunity to exploit his particular talent there. Well, that's it for Zero G today. Next week, uh, I think there's probably something to talk about. I think there's a some kind of um, sci-fi space film coming out with, uh, oh, what's the character's name? Luke Starkiller, something like that. I don't know. We'll get to that next week. This has been a podcast from Free Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.